Hallelujah. I want to talk about something very important here. Today, I want to talk about apostasy in the church. The reason I'm teaching about apostasy is because it's a very important phenomenon today in the church. And listen, precious people, as we begin this sermon today, you're going to find that among the prophecies that denote, define this time, the prophecies that Jesus the Lord gave to us about the signs before his coming, you'll find that apostasy was one of those signs. And he said, in the days before he comes, there would be a great apostasy eat into the church. If you look at the Bible, the way the Bible denotes the prophetic timeline, you find two things. You find apostasy or revival. Either apostasy or revival. Because sometimes I would have so much longed that let this revival clean out the apostasy. But when I read the Bible, I find that those are the two signs, some of the two signs that were well eloquently well positioned to define this time. And so, I also find out later that you can have either of the other in the church. I mean, desolation or revival. In other words, it talks about the great apostasy and then, at the same time, he talks about the big outflow, the outpour of the glory, meaning revival. Now, the way I have prepared this for you, there is going to be an introductory bit that introducing the whole idea, the whole topic, the whole phenomenon to you. But then, down there you'll hear me now define apostasy. But listen to this now. As you hear me define apostasy, you'll see the intent. You'll see my purpose for defining it today. And the purpose would be one, that if you will surely know what apostasy is, then you'll fear it. You'll see that come out. You'll see me deliberately expound it, open it up, unveil it, and present it to you. And then you yourselves now will jump out and say, wow, then I don't want to be part of that. That is the whole purpose, the whole objective of the first part. There is the first part, which is going to be an opening statement that introduces you to this phenomenon. Then we are going to quickly run into the profound, the deep definition of apostasy that is meant to bring gravity to you on this phenomenon. That you may never play with it in this ministry. And then, as we go further down, you'll hear me now begin to dwell or to discuss how does apostasy spread in the church. Hallelujah. Now, number one, in our preamble introduction, I say... Today, Bible-believing Christians are confronted with a disturbing reality in the church. That's how I'm beginning. That today, when you go out there, you'll find that those who believe in the Bible, in the Word, they are all of a sudden, in the process of their worship, all of a sudden, they run into some very disturbing reality inside the church. Inside. I'm talking about inside. That's point number one. Number two, 
the devil appears to have gotten his way into the house of the Lord and gone virtually unrebuked. And he says, the devil somehow seems to have gotten his way into the church. I'm talking about the church of Christ. And for some reason or the other, somehow, he appears to have been left totally unrebuked. Hallelujah. Because I strongly believe that the reason he's not operating with that impunity here is because here he stands rebuked. So that's important. And the reason you see the sin out there, the women are walking in nudity in the churches, the big churches you see out there, the big empty temples of this city, is because nobody ever cared to rebuke them. Because the bottom line is that people come to church because they want to go to heaven. And so if you help them, they will always obey. Like the many, many millions in this ministry, we don't know the number yet. Hallelujah. So I've said, he has not been challenged. He has not been rebuked. So point number three then. Number three becomes deception. So when you look at the apostasy itself, then he says, deception appears to be the tool of choice. Or deception appears to be the most valuable tool that the enemy has chosen to use in order to target Bible-believing Christians. I'm not talking about any other types of Christians. Bible-believing Christians. In other words, he's saying that in the process of this introduction, we must also highlight that the enemy seems to have chosen deception, lies, lying, as the tool of choice to propel this agenda in the church. It's as though the Lord makes me come and stand from here and observe the church, the happenings in the church. He says, Son of man, go now and stand at the door of the temple and observe and watch what's happening there. When he looked in there, he found that they were sitting with their backs turned unto the altar and looking, eh, focusing through the door onto the sun and worshipping the sun. We're going to talk these things today here. So I'm only giving you from where I am coming from. I'm only presenting to you from where I'm coming from. I'm saying that standing here and observing and looking in, these are the observations I find, I come out with. And he says, deception is the tool of choice, right? And then down there he says, the enemy appears, you know, in that observation, says, appears to essentially clothe himself in the vestments, which are clothes, in the robe, in the cloak, in the garments, in the vestments of lies and stands at the pulpit. Ah, how can you say these things? So you see what he's bringing up now. He's saying that this whole thing is happening in the house. And when I look at the pulpit, it seems to be generating from the pulpit and being disseminated into the congregation. Step by step, precious people, this is so key. Because once you'll be able to perceive the seriousness of apostasy and the consequences of apostasy, then never ever will you ever go into apostasy. In fact, you'll outrightly fight it. You'll choose to fight apostasy. Hallelujah. Let's move on. And now look at this now. 
in all these things when the enemy has won the vestments of lies and standing here and then it seems that there is a very disturbing reality accruing in the church because you see the nudity you see the lies you see the falsehood and you see the broken gospel we're going to discuss everything but then I was bringing down there saying that this phenomenon is called apostasy. I've already told you it's apostasy. Hallelujah. But listen to this now. Now, to emphasize to you how serious apostasy is, our Lord Jesus himself addressed himself unto this phenomenon. So I want us to touch there a bit to give us an opening, opening statement, opening understanding an opening understanding even as to how the Lord looked at it and the things he said about it. And then we'll be able to go back to our chronology. So the book of Luke chapter 18 verses 7 to 8. That's really our opening statement. Hallelujah. This says the book of Luke 18 verses 7 to 8. So that we can see what the Lord himself spoke about it as an opening statement. In a beautiful way to open it up. That now henceforth we understand the seriousness of this phenomenon. And the reason the church is falling out there is because nobody ever dares to address himself unto this. Hallelujah. The book of uh, Luke chapter 18 verses 7 to 8. I'll start with NIV. And it says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Who cry out to him day and night. Will he not bring them justice? Will he keep putting them off? In other words, ignoring them. Hallelujah. And he says verse 8. I tell you, he will see that they get justice. <laughs> and quickly, full stop. However, when the son of man comes, will he find any faith on the earth at all? So listen to this now. In this conversation, if you read the whole segment, it's about a widow. Now listen to this now. This widow, you can read the whole thing to the church. Actually, it begins from verse 1 really. Look at this now. This widow kept going to an evil king, seeking justice, evil. That king was evil. He never had any fear for the Lord. And then he disregarded human being people. And so, this widow kept going to this king, seeking justice. Please help me. Please help me. I don't know what it was. Maybe the land. My land has been taken. Look, my sons. Look, my neighbors. Injustice. Please help me. Until one time, this king said, Okay, enough is... Enough. I'll now give justice to this woman. And he helped the woman. And so the Lord Jesus was bringing this to your attention. He was saying, If an evil king can bring justice to this poor widow, widow this woman, how much more you are God? Unto his beloved. In fact, he calls them his chosen ones. Did you understand? Meaning the holy ones. The righteous ones. How much more Jehovah, the righteous God of Israel? How much more justice then? But listen to what I tried to bring to you. Then he goes on to ask, owing to that, because there's a whole conversation there. He says, time, that the time will come. He says, however, when I look at the happenings, 
when I look at the happenings in the hearts of men, surely, 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 when the Son of Man comes, will he find any faith left here at all? Did you understand the whole thing? I'm using this to define to you apostasy, which we are going to see the profound definition is ahead. But I'm saying that the Lord is saying that apostasy is the falling away from faith. Let me put it better. I have started by saying apostasy is the falling away from faith. But listen to the second one. The second one says apostasy is the falling away from true faith. True faith. Now he says true. True faith. Hallelujah. And so, the Lord himself, seeing what would happen at this time in the church and in the world, he lamented. He said, wow, with all that when I come back, will I ever find anybody with faith still remaining left here? Or reigning here? Huh? Hallelujah. And that should really help you to understand just how serious this phenomenon of apostasy is unto the Lord. Because the answer to that question is obviously a negative. Did you understand the whole thing? Will he really find anyone here with faith? Meaning, he will not. Did you understand me? And so, I don't want to go into these things, precious people. But all I want to bring to your attention is this. The Lord himself lamented the apostasy of the day. When he saw the inclination of the hearts of men, he cried out about faith in the last days. Hallelujah. Step by step, we're moving on with you in this introduction. And then, when you look at the phenomenon of apostasy, the way it is propelling itself into the church, in the church of Christ, at the pulpit, at the altar of Jehovah, then you find that the enemy, the adversary, is using the following. Look at this now. I say vestments, dressed in clothes of lies, standing at the pulpit and dispensing it, feeding people with it administering it but now look at this the adversary then goes ahead to craft unto himself pastors he goes ahead to disciple unto himself pastors oh, look at this now later on there is a small segment i have that talks about how to fight apostasy and in that segment i say in order for the church, for the Christians, for the true believers, those righteousness-seeking believers, in order for them to fight apostasy, they need to understand the following. Number one, they need to understand the types of apostasy, the doctrines of apostasy, the preachers of apostasy, many other things we're going to see. But I'm saying that right now here you can already see that the enemy, disciples unto himself, preachers, that stand at the pulpit, and then they are accomplished speakers. They are very sharp in their speech. Beautiful speakers. When you listen to them, wow, you really buy in. I don't know why I'm being held back. I have so much to share, but it looks like I keep leaking it. Because it's like a lawyer placing somebody on the stage, in the dock, and then cross-examining before the judge. And by the end of the cross-examination, you are really convinced that this person is innocent. Now, listen to this. 
Listen to this. Now, when you have another lawyer come and put the same person there and begin to cross-examine the same person, then you say, oh my, you get out of here, you killer. You see that? Then you find that this man is guilty as charged. That's what the Lord is saying here. He's saying they are eloquent speakers. If you listen to them without probing, you would pass them for, this is the one from God. Hey, I just wanted to mention that he brings people dressed in vestments here. Number one, eloquent speakers. Number two, eloquent liars. Number three, I said accomplished speakers, of course. Number three, then superb deceivers who use even examples. They say, I sold a seed of $58. In fact, I had $6,000 and the Lord spoke to me. You hear them saying that. They're saying, and the Lord spoke to me because I had only $6,000. And the Lord asked me, is that your harvest or your seed? They craft and design any scheme to qualify their lie. And you see, and the Lord told me, if that is your harvest, then you go eat it and die. But if it is your seed, that's what they say. You go and sow it so it can multiply. Then I say to the Lord, oh, I'm poor, what will I do with this now? And they say, Lord, if I'm making a mistake, let a white horse run in here, whatever. They say those things. And I took this and I sowed the seed. And then when I just sowed the seed, as I was going home, I was like, oh, have I made a mistake? And then a phone call came. They said, uh, hello, where are you? He said, uh, right here in Kenya. Can you please come to the airport in Chicago? And then I arrived at the airport. They were driving me, special limousine. I asked them, what are you doing to me, you people? Where are you taking me? He said, keep quiet. Don't ask questions. They drove me. And then as I was standing there, someone appeared from this side. And when he stopped, he showed me a key like this. And a private aircraft. So they use everything to qualify their job. That's why they are superb speakers. Excellent deceivers using best examples. So if you did not probe them, you would think that is it. This man is right. I won't do the same thing. Can we move on in this introduction? But when you look at the book of Luke, chapter 18 that we just saw, verses 7, we can read from beginning, but 7 to 8, then what you see there is very clear that the Lord talks about a period of declining faith. Because Will the Son of Man find any faith when he comes? Hallelujah. Which means he was projecting for us. He was telling us there will be a period of declining faith and morality. You see that? And uh, Matthew 24, verse 12 to 13, to support that, Matthew 24, Matthew 24, verses 12 to 13. Step by step as we walk into this apostasy. Hallelujah. Matthew 24, verses... Uh, 12 to 13. And this is what he says. He says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm, even unto the end, will be saved. So I am connecting this Matthew 24, 12 to 13. I'm connecting it to Luke 18, which is supposed to be one on, but we took 7 to 8. Why am I connecting this? Because you see that the pronouncements of the Lord were this. He was standing there and forecasting, foretelling about that dispensation. Now, where we are now, before he comes, 
Matthew 24, we have taught that all over the world. All of you in this ministry, you know about Matthew 24. You know that I've stood before the throne of God on each of these occasions. The release of the four horsemen, that's a big story. I've taught it globally. The prophecies I've given there have shocked the world. The global economic crisis, the bloodshed you see in Syria, Libya, whatever, they came from that prophecy. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I pronounce it all over the globe. So you know Matthew 24 is about the coming of the Messiah. But anyhow, now look at this now. I'm saying that standing there, the Lord could foresee. He did a forecast. He saw what would happen in the dispensation that is now. And you hear him in that question when he asks, Will there be any faith left at all when the Son of Man comes? Thank you for saying no. And you see the answer becomes no. But the issue is this. The big thing is this. He foresaw, in other words, that dispensation. And he was saying from that scripture, those pronouncements were saying that that dispensation will be characterized with a decline in faith. Decline in morality. And then, when you now read Matthew 24, which really pronounces defines that time then he says let's read it again because of the increase in wickedness of wickedness people will be deceived that's why i started by talking about the vestment of lies at the pulpit lying if you go to all the churches they do the same kwanza me i see very deep what the pastors do that the sheep don't even know i see very much until after the sexual sin with that woman he asks the lord makes me even know when he's driving off now 8 p.m church compound the secretary and i always wonder why in the church compound probably to blackmail the lord but the issue is this when driving away the lord makes me also know what he's thinking he's like wow could i have been infected you see that so i get to know quite a lot of detail yes could i have been infected so he's starting to worry about infection now huh? and i see big detail i see big detail Big, 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 son, a big. You can imagine that bespeaks the fact that we are living in the eyes of the Lord. He sees everything. You cannot hide. So, I talked about the dressing vestments of lies and propelling, dispensing forth the gospel of lies. But now, we see very clearly that the Lord Jesus, in helping introduce this topic to us, from Luke 18, verses 7 to 8, and then now Matthew 24, 12 to 13. He now describes that time, which is this time. The lies, the deception that will accrue, that would eat up into the house. And uh, if you listen very carefully to those utterances of the Lord, will there be any? You see that? Because, you know, he talked, he gave us a background of the widow looking for justice. And then, look at this now. You begin to understand that the Lord was also underscoring the fact that there would be not only declining morality, declining faith, as I said, but also persecution. Persecution. And so, uh, let us read Matthew 25, verse 5, before I read some four other scriptures in this introduction. And make sure, don't miss out any scripture. Always anchor yourself to the word, and then dispense forth the gospel. So make sure... I may have read Luke 18, verses 7 to 8. But for you, you must read it from the beginning. Matthew 25, verse 5. Look at what he says here. And he says, verse 5, The bridegroom 
was long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep i've always said that the church right now is in matthew 25 verse 5 but right now if you look very carefully the church is at matthew 25 verse 5 and 6 because 6 says and the cry rang out meaning the announcement came i have seen the wedding rings i have seen the clock of god i have seen the bride enter all these announcements here just listen to this now you see very clearly what the lord is saying here he's saying that when he spoke about that declining faith that is coming and also implying that when he comes back only faith in christ jesus will matter because in the scripture we read he talks about those who stand firm and persevere and keep their faith even unto the end that is the message right there who stand firm and persevere meaning there will be persecution and then now Matthew 25 verse 5 you hear him say this now he says they became drowsy and sleepy and I have other scriptures too one of them I think Mark 13 3 I guess whatever I'm going to read it now where he's going to say and one will come who will call himself the Messiah and lie to you so he saw these things the Messiah saw these things he saw that at this time there will be the great falling away from true faith hallelujah step by step still in the introduction James chapter 5 verses 8 to 9 still working on the same the same pronouncement of Luke 18 7 to 8 hallelujah James chapter 5 8 to 9 and he says this he says you too be patient and stand firm you too be patient and stand firm the same message keeps coming through standing firm and persevering you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near do not grumble against each other brothers or you will be judged the judge is standing at he's still talking about the same thing he's talking about the falling away from faith but in the process you begin to understand that he's saying that there are those who stand firm and persevere persevere to the end that is what i'm trying to bring out because he asked when the son of man comes will he really find anybody here with faith still remaining and the answer is no definitely the way he asked it the answer must be no why because of these things only a few would be able to stand firm and persevere another scripture precious people mark 13 13 right there the one i was talking about when you will know how the devil brings apostasy to church you will tremble and you will decide that is it it's done i will never be apostate mark 13 verse 13 this is what he says he says all men who hate you because of me and then he goes on to say but he who stands firm even unto the end will be saved 
So the message he brings through is standing firm even unto the end. The failure of which... Can I discuss the failure a little bit? Now look at this. Man. Man is born to worship. Let's just begin by that. All man is born to what? To worship. Meaning to have faith in something. Man was created to worship, to have faith in the Lord. But in the absence, if you fall away from that true faith, in the absence of that faith in God, there is a void that normally perpetuates, survives in the soul of man. I'm talking about men and women. And that void demands that at least you worship something. It begins to demand that no, you, at least you have to have faith in something. Hallelujah. Can I give the example here? Just imagine you are in Lake Victoria. An ocean also. That has no islands. And you are fishing there at night. And there is no island. Nothing. And then as you are fishing in the night, you are staring at this gross darkness of the ocean. Do you know what will start appearing to you? Do you know what will start appearing to you? Now look at this now. You are sitting at home, you are waiting for a guest. By night. And that guest comes driving. Must come driving. So every time as you sit there, you, say, hey, hey, shh. Yeah, you keep hearing things. Understand? If you don't hear the real vehicle, at least one has to hear something. Did you understand now? Hallelujah. In the ocean, if you don't see islands and you're in pitch darkness, then you'll start seeing things that appear like islands. Yeah. I'm saying those are islands. Are those not islands? No, no, it's not. And then the waves that move you start fearing that someone is talking or something. Oh yes. That is how man is created. Either you believe in the true God that is our Lord Jesus or look at this now. When you close your eyes then you start imagining. You now start imagining some things you say, oh, I, you can see, or whatever. You start imagining, and that becomes superstition. Then you begin to believe in another. Oh, yes. Listen to this now. Oh, what the Lord was saying here is big. That if they will not have faith in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, then they will believe another. And that's why we're discussing apostasy in the church. The believing of another. Okay. Go on at home and read also 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 8 to 13. And further on you can read Hebrews chapter 10 verses 35 to 39. So now, that is it. So you can read those for your introduction. Can I now move to something else? A little bit slower introduction but still at the same place. In a different tinge. Now look at this. When did the apostasy begin? When did it begin? Apostasy began in heaven when Satan 
disobeyed God. Apostasy began in the kingdom of God in heaven when Satan all of a sudden revolted from the Lord. And what transpired henceforth from there remains as a stern lesson, as an admonition to the church today. Rebukes the church today, warns the church about the dangers of the wounds of apostasy. Apostasy began in heaven, but what happened to Satan when he dared go into apostasy should remain as a lasting lesson to the church today on the zero tolerance that heaven beholds unto apostasy. He's saying apostasy began in heaven when Satan, the enemy, rebelled from the Lord and the consequences of doing that in the throne of God, in the kingdom of God, should remain as a lasting warning unto the church on the perils, the dangers of apostasy, and hence the consequences and the zero tolerance that heaven beholds on apostasy. Hallelujah. Let us just read the scripture right away. Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. I told you, it's going to start now. We're beginning now to move a little bit out of the introduction, but not yet. We need to get very deep to it, that when we understand it, then we will flee from it. That is the purpose here. To run away from it. Because you wonder, how do the other churches sustain such apostasy? Sometimes you wonder, right? I like the A. Hey. <laughs> yeah, which is true. Because when you look at what they're going through, you're like, couldn't any one of them even stop the others and tell them, guys, this road we've taken is a wrong road. Can we stop and head this way? Yes, we're going to crash. So this is it. This is explaining everything here. He's saying, the gravity of it has not been underscored. Oh, yes. Revelation chapter 12 verses 7 to 12. Then he says, And there was war in heaven, full stop. Michael and his entourage, Michael and his angels, fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his entourage, his angels, fought back. Listen. In other words, he's saying, a serious clash, a serious fight, a serious battle ensued. Which goes a long way to tell you that whenever apostasy shows up, whenever this phenomenon called apostasy rears its ugly head in the church, shows up in the kingdom of God, the armies of God, the people of God are called into a severe battle. You are supposed to take a serious fight until you neutralize the devil. Until you neutralize the threat. Neutralize is the word. Meaning, finish anything from it that can rear its head again. 
Did you understand where the church got it wrong from? It was not meant for handling. Don't worry, I'm handling it. Don't worry, leave it to me, I'll handle it. And the next thing you realize, your hands are bruised. Ah. Meaning, we are supposed to stage an outright battle against apostasy. The moment it shows up, and I'm glad I'm talking to you. Because you are the ones to understand this. That any time you detect any sign of apostles in the house, rise up with the armies of God and fight it and neutralize it immediately. Meaning if you leave it, it grows like a cancer. I'm going to tell you how it grows later. Hallelujah. He says, and Satan, you see that, with his angels, fought back. Wow. Claiming the kingdom of God. Isn't that very shocking? Fought back. Meaning laying claim. Does somebody see that in church? Does somebody see that in church? That he comes. He does not stake the fight in hell. Or wherever. He comes to stake the fight. Inside the kingdom of God. At the center. Where the throne is. To lay claim. And that's what the pastors in the big churches out there have not understood. That's why they can allow the women walk naked there. You would rebuke it. You would fight it. You would stage a battle until you neutralize the threat. Oh, I wish they knew what I know. No, don't worry. I'll talk to her. She did that. Okay. Uh, mm, really? In that wedding? You mean she put on very short dress? Eh? Mm. But, but I was there also. Oh, okay. Okay. Then leave me. Uh, let me see. I thought I was there. Okay, then I'll, I'll leave it to me. I'll handle it. Eey. Have you seen the attitude? Eey. He's almost trying to refute. Eh? To defend it. Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Then he says, Satan fought back. Verse 8. But he was not strong enough. Ah! Never. Never. He was not strong enough. He said, it's all right. He fought back. However, he was not strong enough. And that should help you as a church. That whenever apostasy shows up, however ugly, you should understand the basic principles here. That he is not strong enough <laughs> to prevail. Hmm? He says, verse 8, Verse 8 he says, But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. Ah! I said, the consequences that accrue from this kind of rebellion in the kingdom of God, from apostasy showing up, the consequences which we are seeing, and then thrown out, you see, you see, and they lost their place in heaven. The consequences should remain as a lasting lesson to this church. But never try. Never entertain. Please, just neutralize, be smart, is the word, be smart, and move on. Because it says, has no place in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He says, has no place in the kingdom of God. But can we move on now? And he says, they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and the angels with him. His angels. 
that should stand as a lasting lesson to this church. Hallelujah. This says, has no place in the kingdom of God. That's why the brief that sent me was for rebuking sin. And every nation on the earth is always saying, please, may he send his prophet to come and rebuke us. Why? Because has no place in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, precious people. Now you understand why I came rebuking? And I'm still rebuking like I began yesterday. Hallelujah. But this is very wonderful. Because then you understand the gravity of apostasy. This church globally, you know, you look at the apostasy on TV. And you're like, oi. What? Oh, but but how, can you, how can you allow him to say that? You're almost like, oi. Why didn't one stand up and rebuke it? So you see now, the consequence should teach you that zero tolerance to apostasy. The consequence, that's what I meant. We are still moving on to verse 12. And he says there, now you see what he says there. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. It says, For the ancient of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been held down. Ukochini was not told, please leave, please leave. No, it was a violent act. Oh yes, a violent act to express the abominable nature of what it was. And all the way down. So, precious people, there you go now. You see, in the beginning now, as we move with this ship, I'm trying to move the ship from the shores now. I'm trying to head slowly towards the high seas with this ship. But before we get to the high seas and pick the high speed, you now see that in this introduction, the man of God is telling you that apostasy actually began in heaven. And immediately started, he was hurled, hurled is the word, cast out of heaven in a violent act. You understand? And heaven was purged off apostasy. And that means if there's anybody of you who is aspiring to enter the kingdom of God, if you ever aspire to enter the glorious kingdom of God, then he's saying, make sure you read yourself off apostasy. Because it has no place. They lost their place. It has no place. The bearer, the beholder of it, had no place. Lost place. It has no place in the glorious kingdom of God. We are beginning with gravity. The next thing I want to share here is this. From heaven, thrown down. Now listen to this. The second place, the next place where apostasy showed up is in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. We all remember what happened there. So he's saying, apostasy as a matter of fact resurfaced in the Garden of Eden when Eve erred in embracing satanic words. She erred embracing satanic words. The words of Satan, those are satanic words. Hallelujah. She erred. She made a grave error. And of course, that brought the consequence. You see, death came in and everything else. But can we read the book of Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 to 6? Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. You will not surely die. 
the serpent said to the woman. Those are the satanic words. Eh? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, meaning the first sin, the first entry there was lust. Lasting of the eyes. The lasting of the eyes. You see that? Hallelujah. You see how apostasy comes in? <laughs> and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. You see the beginning of apostasy? So that was in the garden. So when he was cast from there, then the whole decay again resurfaced. And in this ministry, I have come out very clearly on Enoch, the gospel of Enoch. And I've said that the Lord used Enoch to reassert, to reemphasize, to reestablish that the blueprint, the plan A in the Garden of Eden was supposed to work. In other words, it works because it is his plan. That when Adam and Eve would walk in righteousness and obedience in him, with him. That's why you see Genesis 3, 8 in the cool of the day. You hear the footprints of the Lord. They had the Lord wah, 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 walking. God was walking with them in the cool of the day. He walked with them when they were not disobedient. So the Lord intended that when man would walk righteous in the highway of righteousness, then death would not be factored in. Death had no place in the original blueprint. But when man fell, then death came. Apostasy came. Then death came. So you are beginning to understand that the consequences of apostasy is death. It's not even a joke. This thing you see somebody coming to church and lying. That thing is not a joke. The consequence of that thing is death. That thing you see somebody to come in church in a short miniskirt and lifting a leg like this before the pastor's here. That thing is not a joke. The consequence of that decay is death. Did you hear me well? Oh yes. Right from the beginning. We must understand it. That thing you see when they dress their children funny, funny, they're Christians, tight trousers, young. Short skirt, tight trousers, what? That thing they do to their children, the consequence is what? Death. Huh? So look at this now. Again, I said, when plan A failed, then you see, he used Enoch to prove men wrong. Because when now you read Genesis chapter 5 from verse 21 all the way down, you see 25 and so forth. You see now Enoch walking with God, the way Adam was walking with God. But because Enoch was obedient unto the righteousness of the Lord, Enoch lives on forever and ever. In fact, he says, and Enoch walked with God and was no more. So meaning raptured, taken into heaven. There is no death. Death is not in the equation. It's not in the formula. But now we have seen how death came into the picture. Death entered there. How? By apostasy. Hallelujah. This little, oh, I'm going to show you how apostasy comes to church. It will stun you. 
the little creeping in small small things just to get there how he tries small by small and you ignore ah, this is nothing this i can do with this oh. if you have noted one thing about the man of god he's very unrelenting extremely huh and he will call you back and ask did you say that and then you'll ask did you say it exactly can you repeat for me what you said then call them back and say exactly as I told you. Well, it has to be said exactly as God wants it. Because the devil is fond of, uh -huh. if you say it even here a little bit, teach it a little, it's also acceptable. No, not with me. It must be sustained. And only righteousness can sustain it. Only unrelenting rebuke unto sin. You cannot take vacation. And so I wonder sometimes when you see pastors, the apostate church, we are discussing apostasy, the apostate pastors taking vacation. I wonder, sometimes 1 o'clock, 12 o'clock, coming to 2, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and then after that you're waking up. We have to serve the Lord. But in the same zeal, with the same relentlessness, we must rebuke sin. In the morning, in the noonday, in the evening, at night, and then next morning, at dawn, start rebuking sin. So did you understand the zero tolerance to sin? That the church, the posture she ought to take in order to confront the apostasy. Why? Because the consequences of apostasy are deadly. They're, they're death. Death. Death unto hell. Another point. Satan has since employed apostasy to destroy the witness of the believers since the world never ever bothers to segregate between true believers and false believers. Can I explain that properly? The devil has found that this tool, this vehicle of apostasy is so key for him, so valuable to the extent that he uses it to neutralize, to diminish the witness of the church. The testimony of the church is neutralized by the devil when the devil brings apostasy to church. Why? Because the world, look, the Muslims sometimes, and the world, live alone the Muslims and other religions who are part of the world, but the world generally, they never have time to say, oh, oh uh, so that one has fallen. Uh, that, that, that really must be the wrong church. Eh? Huh, okay, the, the, let's look for the right church. They always write in the paper, the church. The church has fallen. The pastors have sinned. They never say the bad pastors or the posted pastors have done it again. They never say that. Never ever. Do you understand me? So in so doing, because the devil knows that the world has no time, look at this now. He's saying that if Christians today find it so difficult to choose which is the right church and the wrong church. That's why they keep going to the wrong church. Because surely, surely if they knew where the true word of righteousness is being preached, where God, the mighty God of Israel is speaking to the nations from, ah, where the cripples are walking for free, no penny, the blind are seeing HIV. Look at this now. So Satan would like to neutralize that. So many times he uses apostasy to try to neutralize the testimony of the church. Did you understand the trick now? Because they know that the world never bothered. Again, I said, if the Christians 
Christ followers, the Christians themselves, are not able to discern which is the right church and which is the wrong church. And they still go to those churches of fakeness, of what and whatever, without realizing that on this other side, even HIV AIDS is being deleted from the blood. At the speech of one prophetic tongue like this. Huh? Hallelujah. Listen to this now. If they cannot even be able to see that uh-uh, this one is going to take me to hell because the Bible says, I'll judge pastor and sheep alike. As long as you sit under that teaching, it says, you've met in another name. Oh yes. In a different framework. Oh yes. Huh? And he's saying, that if the Christians cannot do that discerning to stop going to the sick churches of this world and come here, then how do you expect the world to be able to tell which is the right church, which is the wrong one? So the devil exploits that, that gray area. The fact that the world is not able to say, ah, that's the right one. Then does apostasy with one church, then it goes all over. The church has done this. The witness and testimony of the church is diminished, is reduced. Huh? The best way to tackle this menace of apostasy in the church will come from first of all clearly defining what apostasy really is. Did you understand what he's talking about? He says there's no other way to address it that first of all, he says you must first define it in order to tackle it. And when you define it later, you see, you hear me talking about its doctrines and what, what its different aspects that nothing may slip in hidden and again sweep you off the feet. You must know everything about it, then tackle it and reject it in totality. Apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia. Apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia, which essentially means, which essentially means, number one, defiance against an established authority. Where were Apostasy, that's the number one, we're still on number one, means, refers to defiance against the established authority of God. That's the second one. I said against unestablished authority. But the second one I've said, apostasy therefore becomes defiance against the established authority of God. Hey? That you just defy, say, I don't want, I don't want authority of God to say like that. Eh? Did you understand properly now? I said it. That when I will define it, it will bring gravity to it. Then you will fear it. Those churches are in sin because it was not defined to them. It wasn't. If it's defined to you, you will fight it, you will run away from it also. Hallelujah. So precious people, if you know that you are not right with the Lord, and you want now to be ready for this powerful most glorious day of rapture. Repeat this prayer. Say, precious Jesus, I surrender my life to you today and repent 
from all sins. And I ask you, Lord, to cover me with the precious blood that you shed for me at Calvary. I receive you today in my heart. I receive you in my life as my Lord and Savior. So please, bless me with righteousness and holiness. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much. Thank you.